if you've taken a holiday in, in the last two years or, you, or you've pulled back on P's and K's as the, the fertilizer stats are indicating, like it's good to go in and maybe take a, a sample out of different blocks of land just to see what's happened. You know, I didn't spread any 18612, you know, or, or reduce my 18612 by, say, 50% in the last two years. What's happened my P and K levels? Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the deadline for slurry spreading fast approaching on the 30th of September, Mark Plunkett from the Signpost Programme joins us with his tips and advice to maximise the nutrient uptake and productivity from slurry on farm. I think it's it's priority over the over the coming two weeks that um, farmers empty out their tanks, prepare for winter. You know, maximise the amount of storage they have. Um, also, I suppose to remember that that cattle slurry is actually a very valuable source of NP and K. And again, there is still a, a good response out there in grass fields. We're still getting uh, uh, good rates of, of grass growth. Um, but I think for the times that we live in, I think um, as we should, cattle story is a very valuable source of P and K MLOEs. So I think we should be targeting that slurry to fields on the farm that have the biggest demand for P and K or have a requirement for P and K to keep our soil fertility in balance or, or in check. And for somebody in the situation, Mark, where they haven't done a, a soil fertility test on farm in the last 12 months, where would you suggest those fields are? Um, it tends to be anywhere you're cutting grass silage. That's where the biggest demand for P and K and that's where the P, the P and K has originated on. So it's very, very important that, you know, on two fronts, number one, that you put that P and K back um, to replenish um, the soil fertility levels, especially potash, like cattle slurry is a very valuable source of potassium and potassium very, very important in terms of nitrogen efficiency. So again, getting slurry back to those fields, very, very important. Secondly, we're finding here in Johnstown Castle, and Louise, that we're growing more grass where we're going with slurry as the main nutrient source in silage fields as opposed to chemical fertilizers, as opposed to your 0730s and your straight nitrogen. So th- th- we're getting about a tonne and a half per hectare of extra dry matter yield. And we believe it's coming from the, car- the carbon element that we're putting back in through the slurry. Also, by putting the slurry back onto the silage fields, you're reducing the nitrogen nitrogen loading on the farm as well. You know what I mean? You're you're taking organic nitrogen, putting it onto a part of the farm that may not be grazed. So that's very very important, you know, for uh, in terms of sustainability, in terms of environment, and also in terms of of water quality. That we're redu- we're reducing that nitrogen loading, say on the grazing block, for example. And just um, you talk about the carbon element. Tell us a little bit more about that, Mark. Well, it's it's the organic matter. Like you know, cattle slurry is, is anywhere from four to seven percent dry matter, and that's organic matter is carbon. So, by putting that back into the ground, we're feeding the biology, we're feeding the bugs, we're feeding the organic nitrogen reserves, and that's given us a healthier soil, a more productive soil, and applied nutrients are more responsive on those soils. Uh, you've also you know better soil structure they're you know they're more what do you say resilient to carrying machinery etc but you're also growing more grass on those fields by putting that slurry back um on the cutting areas uh, where there's little livestock possibly on farm and just before i move on mark you know previously on the dairy age you would have told us about the three ores and i think it's a really nice um uh thing to remember when we're looking at slurry so tell us about that 
Yeah, look, in terms of, of the, in terms of the, we're talking about the right source. So again, in terms of slurry, it's ideal, as I say, for, for silage fields or maybe where you want to build some uh, grass covers over the winter period. In terms of the right rate, we're talking anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 gallons per acre uh, at this time of the year. The, the right place. So again, as, as I was saying, your, your silage fields, your drier, your, your drier fields, your more responsive fields, uh, where you're going to get a response to that nutrient in terms of growing grass and also building fertility and then the right the right time now is the time the sooner that slurry is spread you know what i mean you're going to get a, a better response especially to the nitrogen part like you know as we move in as we move into october the days are shorter uh, the temperatures are dropping we're not getting the same response so we're, we're going to grow um you know a third more grass by getting the slurry out um in september um, compared to waiting to the end of September. So it's a more responsive time. Um, you know, days are, st- are still reasonably long um, and we're getting good uh, grass growth rates um, still at, at this point in time. And I suppose if we look at it in black and white, uh, Mark, um, you know, the, the deadline is coming. You mentioned, you know, it's, it's two weeks. And beyond that, there's really no justification for spreading slurry it's i suppose it's prohibited for one thing and then it's it's just simply bad practice and has you know it has a detrimental impact on on water quality um among other things but i guess a comment for you on that and, and how are people going to best set themselves up um that they're not doing that well again as we're saying emptying out tanks now maximizing the storage also diverting say you know dirty water or rainwater away from your your, your slurry tanks uh, over the winter period um you know having to spread slurry outside of the the closed period is, as you said is detrimental there's no demand or little demand for nutrient during that 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 window or that period and again it's getting lost or it's getting lost um to our our, our, our waterways and then if we turn our attention to lime mark, say if if we think about now, um, you know, there's there's October, November. So you could essentially say there's two weeks or two months left in the grazing season on farms. And then there is a the close period and then we'll be back out grazing, you know, all going well weather wise in early February. Where is the window to get lime out in fields? Well, well I suppose once you have paddocks grazed off, um, you know, it's a great time to, to get lime out. Like I suppose traditionally we're heading into the, the liming season or we're in the liming season. Um, you know, it's a great time to get lime out um over the next two months, provide provided weather weather allows, like soils are 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 shutting down um, you know, heading into the winter period. So now is a great time to, to get lime out. It'll get washed in, it'll have worked, it'll be in place. Come come springtime, and like as we know, there there is many many benefits to, to getting lime out and maintaining our, our pHs up in the optimum zone or the optimum range. Re- remind us of those benefits, Mark. Um, it it very much starts with um look again as I said, soil health, nutrient availability. Um, at a, at a time with um reduced um fertilizer usage you know by by saying in a ryegrass ward by getting the ph up to 6.3 to 6.5 we can mineralize up to 80 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year we also can mineralize five to six kilograms of p per hectare per year thus reducing our our fertilizer um requirements we can grow more grass we can grow up to two tons of extra 
grass dry matter during the, the growing season. Also in terms of climate change, by maintaining a higher pH, um, and I'm talking probably up to maybe 6.8 to 6.9, we can reduce our nitrous oxide emissions by, by up to 35%. Also, um, where we're trying to get clover into swords, uh, you know, we've been quite successful. But we need a higher pH, Louise. We need a pH of 6.5 to 6.8 to establish and maintain the productivity of clover um, in the sward. So lime, like it's a low cost input um, and really it's the foundation in terms of sustainability, in terms of reducing nitrogen usage on farm. Like we can mineralize anywhere from 70 to 250 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. So we can grow anywhere from two to seven, eight tons of grass dry matter from the soil nitrogen supply alone by having the pH pK levels in the optimum zone. So like and, and lime is a small cost, Emma Louise, as we know. Uh, plus we have the, the national liming program that's in, in you know, a lot of people have, have, have applied. There's a big budget there. The budget has been doubled to 16 million um, and people are going to get the full subsidy on the first 40 tonnes, which reduces the, the cost of lime by, by 50%. So so uh, go, going into that, you know, we would have talked before um, the the cost of spreading lime is, lime is 25 euro per tonne. And, and it's so cheap, you know, if we compare it to, I suppose, the chemical products that we're putting out, like, say, your straight nitrogen or your 18612s. But um, I suppose, like everything, the cost has gone up. So where is the the base cost of um, of spreading lime? Yeah, lime is somewhere from what I believe is somewhere around uh, 33 euros a ton, somewhere in that ballpark. And when you talk about the National Liming Programme, for those first um, 40 tonnes, what is the, the money back on that? There's 16 euros a ton back. So again, you're reducing your, your cost of lime by, by, by approximately 50% on that first 40 tonne. And, and I suppose if we just look at it in real terms and, and practical things that you can measure on farm, like when you talk about the uh, getting your pH to the right um, level of 6.3 to 6.5, that 80 kilos of nitrogen per hectare per year. I mean, if you were to put a euro value on that, you know, it, it adds up significantly across the whole farm. And and look, more nitrogen mineralization in, inevitably means more grass production, which I guess we're all aiming for on farm. Well, it, it's roughly it's roughly 100 euros per hectare, like, like 80 euros, I'd say 120 a kilo. Like, do you know what I mean? So the payback is 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 very, very quick or very, very fast from, you know, you, you know, your the cost of lime is covered, you know, very, very quickly, like, you know. When we would have um, talked through the slurry and lime, you would have talked about the, I suppose, the greater usage or the greater efficiency um, and appropriate usage invariably means that you have the opportunity to reduce uh, chemical fertilizer usage. But if we take a step back and, and look at the greater fertilizer picture, um, where is chemical chemical nitrogen usage on farm this year, uh, Mark, as you see it? Well, we the Department of Agriculture have recently issued their their Q3 fertilizer stats uh, for NPK usage, and again we have seen a further decline in nitrogen. Nitrogen is back by seventeen percent. P and K is back by seven percent. So again, in terms of nitrogen, you can say it's positive. In terms of climate change, like you know, in terms of reducing emissions, reducing our fertilizer use, and and, and meeting our our targets, like we're probably on track to be. 
probably somewhere around 300,000 tonnes of, of chemical nitrogen for 2023. And that's back from, say, 400,000 tonnes in 2021. So quite a significant drop, Emma Louise. You know, you're talking up to a 25% drop in our chemical nitrogen usage. But, and again, I say, as I say, it's positive. Also, we've increased the usage of protected urea in the last three years. We're, we're, we're somewhere around 20% of our total straight chemical nitrogen coming in as protected urea. But I suppose the big concern, M. Louise, for me is that P's and K's have taken quite a a drop or has been a you know a landslide in terms of the reduced P and K use has reduced significantly. Um you know in 2022 we've seen a, a 24 a 26 and 24% drop in P and K and we're probably on track for again a 24 20 a 24% drop in both P and K in 2023 so that that that's quite a concern like and and let's go a little bit further into that mark in that um obviously uh, for farmers who are spreading compound type fertilizers um if they're not spreading as much nitrogen there's a pro rata effect for P and K but I suppose, are you seeing the effect beyond that? Is it that people are tending to go with the straights as opposed to um, going with your 18, 6, 12, your 10, 10, 20s? Yeah, look, we, we've seen a we've seen a big drop in you know we've seen a big drop in in take 10, 10, 20. Like you know what I mean? We've seen a fifty two percent drop. You know, in in the last uh, three years, 18, 6, 12, 45 percent drop. And also the the high ends, your 24s, 27s, again, you know, 50, 60% drop in, in those products. So like in effect, we're spreading less P's and K's, um, you know, we're spreading less nitrogen and we're spreading less P's and K's. And that that's not a good strategy, um, you know, in an era of less chemical nitrogen. Like P and K is essential to drive efficiency or drive productivity. So we must we must maintain our P's and K's, or we must put the P's and K's back into the system. Um, like, in fairness, we have been quite good. Farmers have been very, very good in the last, say, 10, 15 years. We've we've continually built soil fertility at a rate of about 1% per year. Um, and again, the stats indicate that we're back to 2008 youth levels of, of P and K. And back then, we did see a drop or a fall off in, in, in soil P and K fertility. So I think it's something that we need to put on the radar. For a farmer listening today, Mark, so they, they can't spread P until next year. Um, you know, there is an opportunity to get out with K. Um, you know, when should farmers be targeting those uh, products on farm to get the best uptake in order to build and maintain soil fertility? Okay, if we take it at this point in time, we talked about slurry. So that's how I was saying to you, like, you know what I mean? Is there still slurry in tanks? Again, look at the soil, soil test reports, maybe look to see how much P and K is spread in, in 23. And that slurry should be targeted to fields that need P and K to balance up or, or replenish th- those levels. Also, um, the date is now gone for the application of phosphorus. Like uh, today is the 14th, so we can't spread phosphorus after today. Um, but potash, we can still spread potash MLOEs. So again, you know, that would be a good strategy or a good plan to, especially the silage fields you know, may not have got adequate levels of potassium in 2023. Now is a good time to put out a bag or two of muriate potash. Um, like the research in Johnstown Castle here would show that now is the best time to apply potash and it'll actually improve nitrogen efficiency um, next spring. So that would be priority over the coming weeks and months to get extra potash out. In terms of phosphorus then, so again, what we'd be saying is 
you know, we should be using the likes of 18612 on the grazing ground um, next spring. So again, the second round, the second or third round tends to be the best time to get the extra pee out, um, you know, in terms of, you know, feeding the crops need and also building fertility, especially for phosphorus. And finally, Mark, um, say for somebody in the scenario where they get out with their slurry in the next two weeks and then as per what we've discussed, they're going to target fields with lime and potash. At what stage should they target a soil test on farm in order to get a picture of where soil fertility is at, given the the various fertilizer applications between now and the end of the year? Ideally, we need three months between an application of chemical P or organic P. Do you know what I mean? So you need a three month gap uh, to get a, a reliable um, indication as regards uh, the soil fertility status. So again, if you're spreading slurry at the minute, uh, you must wait three months. So it's probably going to be January before you can go in and take a soil sample on, on those parts of the farm. For lime, we say two years, MLOEs. But like generally, you'll be working on you know, a soil sample has been taken in the last two, three years in terms of lime. And finally on that, Mark, say if we're in if if we're on farm and we want to really invest heavily in getting soil fertility right in order to have a more um, I suppose holistic nutrient management plan, how regularly should we be doing soil uh, sampling? I mean, in reality, it's relatively cheap in terms of the power it gives you to make decisions on farm. Is it a practice every year or is two, three year intervals sufficient? Two, three years is fine. But like, as I say, if you've taken a holiday in, in the last two years or, you, or you've pulled back on P's and K's as the, the fertilizer stats are indicating, like it's good to go in and maybe take a, a sample out of different blocks of land just to see what's happened. You know, I didn't spread any 18612, um, you know, or, or reduce my 18612 by, say, 50% in the last two years. What's happened my uh, P and K levels? Again, if if you haven't sampled, as I say, in the in the last two years, in at a time where we're spreading less P and K, like now could be a good time to go back in and resample the whole farm. As you say, it it's like a, a soil sample, is it it costs only twenty five euros per sample. Uh, it's a small cost uh, to bear, um, you know, especially with fertilizer being so expensive. Thanks very much, Mark. Um, I, I suppose the, the immediate actions that farmers need to think about is the slurry. And, you know, where are you in terms of getting the slurry out in the next week, two weeks? Um, you know, uh, I suppose emptying the tank is one thing, but where are we putting these uh, very valuable nutrients is, is the other side of it. As it was just a, a, um, an, in terms of health and safety, there is um, there is that danger with um the tractor work so i mean that everyone would work safely um over the next two weeks with that thank you mark thanks emma louise that's it for this week's episode of the dairy edge podcast and my thanks to mark plunkett for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on apple and google podcasts as well as spotify and for more information go to the chagas website at chagas.ie i'm emma louise coffee and join us next time for your Dairy Edge.